If you have your Bibles, let's look at, let's look at the sermon tonight, and then we're going to take communion together. We're in this series called The Good Life. And so tonight, we're, we're still in Philippians chapter 3, and I'm not going to read all of the verses because I, I just want you to understand the context of Philippians. The context of Philippians, it's like Paul's autobiography. In other words, the first part of it, he talks about his past and his, his, his testimony. Then the, ne- then the portion we're going to look at tonight, he's going to reference his past a little bit. He's going to talk about this issue of successful living. Then he's going to look, he's going to look to the, he's going to look to the, the future. And so we've entitled this message Successful Living because the Apostle Paul was one of the most successful Christians uh, that we know of. He wrote most of the New Testament, started a lot of the church, started the church movement and all of those other things. And so, so when you look at his life, you realize that, that he was a very successful Christian. And so Philippians chapter 2 verse, I'm sorry, chapter 3 verse 17, here's what the scripture says. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. What a bold statement, right? And learn from those who follow our example. So all of a sudden, he's talking about this issue of Christianity and living Christianity in community. And living Christianity in such a way that we have relationships with one another, we spur one another on, we encourage one another, and we support one another. So tonight, before we take communion, I want to give you just four keys to successful living. Four keys to successful living. Here's the first one. Face your faults. The first key is this, is you, you and I have to come to the place to where we're able to face our faults. And in other words, this is where we come to the place and we just admit, you know what? We don't have it all together. In other words, we have a, we have a long way to go. We have a long way to grow. Um, we, we haven't arrived. We're, we're, we're not perfect. We're not without sin. In other words, what I'm saying is may, maybe we need to do an inventory of our life and start looking at the area of our lives that, you know what? These areas need improvement. These areas, we need to do maybe some things different because when you look at Paul, Paul was honest about his faults. Watch this, verse 12. This is what he writes or what he says. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. In other words, Paul is like an elderly man in, 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 at, the, at this time. And if anyone had a right to complain, you know what? I've arrived. It'd be like Apostle Paul, right? He wrote more words in the New Testament than any other New Testament uh, writer. He, he started an incredible church movement. He planted churches. And, and Paul's at the end of his life. And you know what he's saying? He said, guys, I got to let you know I don't have it all together. In other words, I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect. I'm, man, I'm, still in this, I'm, I'm still in this mode. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. In other words, when you look at this, what Paul is saying is successful living is this. Our successful people never quit growing. That's why we call it a Christian walk. The successful people never quit le- growing. They never quit learning. They never quit developing. They, they never quit learning. Even when Paul was old in prison, and listen, when you look at the context of this, there were some people around him, they were kind of pressing into him like, like you have arrived, like you, like, like you are perfect. And that's why he had to come back and say, no, no, dear brothers and sisters, I, I, I haven't arrived. And a lot of times, you know, today you have many Christians that are running around and it's like they, it's like they never have problems. 
It's like they've, they've never had doubts. It's like they've never stumbled. It's like they're sinless. It's like they're perfect. It's like, it's like everybody else in life has struggles except for them. And I don't know about you, but the longer I live, the more acutely aware I am of my inadequacies and my limitations and my weaknesses and my faults. In other words, Apostle Paul would say this successful living stuff and the good life is when we live life successfully and we do what God has called us to do. And Paul would say, you know what, this issue of, uh, of successful living is when we, 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 we quit looking at, at how far we, we have come and rather we look at how far we have to go. And the things that we have to change. And Paul is, is saying the starting point of successful living is when we're honest and we just do an inventory of our life and, and we face our faults and we're honest about our struggles. We're honest about our weaknesses. And uh, Proverbs 28, 13, the good news says this, is you will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Confess them and give them up. Then God will show mercy to you. In other words, yeah, successful people are honest about their struggles. They're honest about their faults. Transparency, what, what the Apostle Paul would say, transparency is a mark of spiritual maturity. In other words, someone's just comfortable in, the, in their skin. And someone's comfortable in who they are in Christ. And that they can live life in somewhat of a transparent way. And, and successful people, they, they admit that, that they haven't arrived and they have a long way to go. Henry Cloud talks about this, this subject in, in a book that he wrote many years back called Necessary Endings. And he says, he says, there's a problem in relationships when people aren't honest about their faults, when people won't face the faults. And then you sit down and you have a conversation with them, and the problem is like never in the room. Ever been around someone like that? The problem's never in the room? It's always someone else's fault? It's always someone else's problem. It's always someone else that blew it at all. And, and they like take no responsibility for anything. And, and, and so what the Apostle Paul is saying, successful living is this, is when we're just honest about our faults. In other words, we look at our lives and say, you know what? In my life, what needs to change? Aren't we really better at identifying other people's faults than ours? I mean, I mean with, with some people around us, well, we can go through a list real quickly. And sometimes it's difficult in our life because we, we have some blind spots. The Apostle Paul says that there comes a time we need to face our faults. We need to have an honest inventory of our life. Here, here, here's the second thing if you're going to have successful living. Forget the former. Forget the former. Now listen. That's a dumb principle. Uh, <laughs> I probably have to face my faults. That really... Here's what I was doing. I got all F's in the blanks. False, farmer, finish, future. And so past starts with a P, so I just put an F, and so, and I came up with the word farmer. And when I say it, it sounds like a farmer, someone that's on a farm. <laughs> so you know what I mean. Forget the past. Forget the farmer. <laughs> I can't say it. I cannot say it. There's other words like that. A lot of other words like that. So now then, I, I'm facing my faults in front of you because even when I just read it, it did not read well. But anyway, let's just look at the scripture. So he says, so, so like they're, they're pressing into him, saying you're perfect. You know, you, you don't have any problems. And so he gets a little frustrated. In, in the Greek, this is really strong. But 
He goes, now, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. There's something that Paul gave attention to. Paul gave serious inventory to. And Paul says, you know what, if I'm going to do what God's called me to do, if I'm going to have successful living, then I'm going to take an inventory of my life and and then I'm going to come to the place that once I take inventory of my life, that I'm, 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 I'm going to come to this place to where I learn to just to, to forget the past. In other, words, in other words, I cannot waste my time and my energy on the past. Uh, because if I do, it's going to mess up the present and it's going to mess up tomorrow. In other words, what Paul said, I've I got to come to this place that I, I let go of my guilt. I let go of my, I let go of my grudges. I let go of my grief. Here we are, Arlen. We're all on G's right now. Uh, I learned I learn what it means to forgive. Um, man, if you've ever dealt with this, you know that your, your past, if you can't let go of your past, your past will only mess you up today. It'll mess you up today, and it'll mess you up tomorrow. And so success, what, what Paul says, success involves this issue of forgetting. But how do you forget? And what, is it, what does it even mean to forget? And this word, the English word forget, is that the same definition of the English word forget as it is the Greek word forget? Because it, it's true, right? Our brain like stores everything. It like stores almost everything that we've ever done. And isn't it true that and if we're not careful, we never forget some things. We never forget some things that maybe, maybe we need to forget. So how do you forget the farmer, or how do you forget the past, or how do you forget that stuff? See, see, in the Greek, it's a little bit different. In the Greek, forgetting simply means this. Don't let the past affect you. Don't let the past affect you anymore. Don't let, it, don't let the past control you. Don't let the past have a voice in your life. Don't let the past have power over you. Don't let, listen, do not let your past manipulate you. Because I'm telling you, it will. If it's unresolved, if it's, if it's still in the present, it, it, will, it will hurt you. In other words, it, this is what we got to understand. Forgetting is not a passive loss of memory. And it's active. It's continuous discipline. See, successful people, when you read biographies or autobiographies of successful people, you realize successful people are really good at learning from the past. And once they learn, they, like, move on. And it didn't hold them host hostage. It, did, it doesn't keep hounding them in, in their life. And it's true about human nature that we tend to remember things that we should forget. And we tend to forget things that we should remember. And so if we're not careful, we'll hold on to these cruddy, garbage memories that really and truly that we should let go of. And so we, we intend, if we're not careful, we intend... Uh, to forget the things that we, we should remember, God's promises and what God says about us, what God's forgiven us of. And we remember the things that we shouldn't. Remember. There's two things, just real quickly, that you need to forget that I believe for successful living and what Paul says. The first one is this, is just, just your failures. So many Christians continue to rehearse, and, and you know what, I, I, I struggle with that as well. And so many con Christians continue to rehearse the things that, that the heart of God is long since forgiven and forgotten. And, man, they'll not forgive themselves. They'll not realize the, the forgiveness of God in their life. And as a result, they're holding on to the past. 
And so we allow the past to paralyze us and, and it keeps us from being successful today. It keeps us from being successful tomorrow. And Paul says, you know what, I've learned. I've, I've just learned to forget the past. You know, you, know the reason that, you know the reason that brings me encouragement? Because Paul would say this issue is a learned behavior. It's a discipline. In other words, Paul says, you know what, I, I've learned to forget the past. And so as a result of that, I don't sit around beating myself up over the past. I don't, I don't fill my mind with self-condemnation for my mistakes. Because, you know what, when, when you look around and you, you start talking, every one of us have blown it. I mean, each one of us, we probably have. I don't want to speak for you. I'll just speak for me. We have things in our past, right, that we regret. We have things in our past that if we, if, like we could get a mulligan, if we could do a do-over, we would absolutely go back and love to have a do-over. We'd love to take that word back. We'd love to take that conversation back. We'd love to take that decision back. We'd love to take that action back. When you look at Paul, and even though, and so here's, Here's how you know the definition of this word forget, because even though Paul says, I have learned to forget, there's some things he still remembers in his past, but he doesn't let them manipulate him. Because in the, in the first part of, of, uh, of Philippians chapter 3, in, in the book of Corinthians, Paul lists a lot of things in his past. But he was saying, you know what, they, they don't have a hold on me any longer. But in, in case you're new to church, and just a little bit about Paul's testimony, before Paul became a Christian, had like a, he had a difficult testimony. Before, before Paul became a Christian, he was like persecuting Christians. He was murdering Christians. Fact is, the Bible says the first deacon, Stephen, when the first church was formed, um, it was Paul that held Stephen's coat so they could kill him, so they could martyr him. And then Scripture says that he gave approval of that. I mean, the scripture says Paul was so aggressive, he was going around and, and getting church letters, church membership roles, and going into homes and dragging Christians out and, and, and martyring them and, 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 and torturing them and everything else. And so, but, you, but all of a sudden you realize that Paul came to this place that he, that he not only faced his, his faults, but he, he was able to forget the past or, or come to the place to where the past no longer had a hold on him. Because listen, we know this, right? Nothing you or I are ever going to do is going to change the past. It doesn't matter how much we cry. It doesn't matter how much self-pity we have. It doesn't matter how much we think about it. We lay awake at night. It doesn't matter our regrets. The past is past. It is over. It is dead. And there is nothing you can do about it. So one of these things is your failures. But, but you know what? Another thing we've got to process, process out is your hurts. And it's coming to the place where you just process out your hurts. And Paul writes in other letters the, about the, the hurts that he has. And, and these hurts kept him from moving on. Now listen, I read a lot of books. I used to hang out in, in like bookstores when they like really had them. And so now they don't. And, and so now it's, on, it's, it's, it's online. But there was a book and it was a bestseller. And, and just the title, Richard Carlson wrote a book many, many years ago. And said, don't sweat the small stuff. And it's all small stuff. Someone needs to tell Richard that there's no such thing sometimes as small stuff. Someone needs to tell him it doesn't work because there's some things in life that hurt deeply. And I'm telling you, it is not small stuff. How do you tell a parent that lost a child? Small stuff. How do you tell a spouse that has lost a, a mate? Small stuff. Just small stuff. How do you tell a child 
that has been abandoned may never know their biological mom or dad. Small stuff. How you tell a parent that has worked really hard raising children and their children walked away from the Lord and you just say, hey, it's just, don't sweat the small stuff, it's all small stuff. I tell a wife that a husband has walked out her, on her and the kids and now she's working a couple of jobs just hoping she can make it and it's just small stuff. I tell a person that has lost a job and they don't know if they can make ends meet, just just small stuff. You know, here's the cool thing. This last week, I, I had some time I was traveling. I said to run through Scripture and, and just make sure of this, and, and it's true. I never find one time in Scripture where Jesus met someone and said, hey, don't sweat the small stuff. It's all small stuff. The fact is, I came across a story when Jesus was praying about God's will, and he was at the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's, and he's, he's struggling. Let this cup pass before me. The disciples didn't walk up to him after and say, hey, don't worry, small stuff. Man, there are some things in life that are so painful. The only way that we can bear them is through the cross, is with God's strength. I personally know this to be true. I know that there are some things that you and I in our past will never forget. But I also know that it's something that you can heal from. It's something that you can find freedom from. It's something that you can move past to where, you know what, it no longer affects your future. You, you know how, just real quickly, and then we need to move. Uh, I've only got seven minutes and 27 seconds left. <laughs> you know how you have found freedom from your past? When your past no longer works against you, but it works for you. And all of a sudden, it becomes part of your testimony, Testimony becomes part of your, your ministry. Verse 13, he says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. In other words, Paul said it's, it's like this two-step process to where you, you come to the place, you process out the past, and then you turn, you look to the future, your position, you look to the future, and you look to God to see what God has for you. And so, and so the way that you do that is you, is you begin to put your finger on those false beliefs or those, those lies that you believed and you replace them with the truth. You replace them with God's word. Here's the third thing that if, if you're going to live successful living, here's the third thing is this. You have to focus on your future. And so you come to the place and you, 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 you forget your, you, you, you face your faults. Uh, you, you forget um, the past. And then you focus on the future. This is what Paul is saying. This is the principle of concentration. Successful people, listen, whenever you study them, successful people, goal-oriented people, successful people many times live and die by to-do lists, by goals, by organization. And so Paul, again, verse 13, he says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus. And here it is, one thing, that word one in the Greek, that would like be in all caps, exclamation mark. One thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. <coughs> Paul had this Paul had this singular priority in life. In other words, he says, you know what, I've narrowed it down. This is just the one thing that I do. He's talking about concentration. In other words, if you're not careful, you and, you and life can get spread so thin that you're really not effective in any area. And Paul is saying, hey, find out what counts. Find out that one thing in your life. 
he's talking about this issue of just, just focus or concentration. A river, like a river, is, 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 can be uh, productive and necessary. But if it spills over the banks, then it, then it, it becomes a, a marsh or a swamp and not very effective. Light is, light is the same way. Light diffused is weak and many times powerless. But if you take power and light and you concentrate it, then all of a sudden you have a laser. And it can do some powerful surgeries. It can do some powerful good. This is the power of concentration. This is focusing in life on one thing. In fact, effective people are able to understand priorities of life. And they concentrate. They focus on that. And Paul says, I, I have this one goal, and it's clear in my mind. In other words, now I'm going to live my life, 1 Corinthians 9.24 says. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, <coughs> but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. So what was Paul's goal? 2 Corinthians 5.9. We make it our goal to please him. And Paul said, that's successful living. And that's when you come to the place that you let go of the past and you turn and you focus on the, the, the future and you focus on what God has for you. And so, so, so you may ask yourself some questions. What am, I, what am I living for? What is my goal in life? And what is, what is important? What is most important in my life? The last thing is this. You have to fight to the finish. You have to fight to the, I call this the principle of determination. Absolutely nothing worthwhile in life happens without determination, without a fight. Man, you, you know this in life, you only coast when, you, when you're going downhill. Man, if you're coasting right now, you're headed downhill. In other words, it, it takes intentionality, it, it takes discipline. I'll teach you a real quick, and I'm, I'm going to change it to a Colorado saying instead of a Texas saying, because some of you don't like Texas sayings. <laughs> I'm going to give you a Colorado saying so you remember this. Any dead trout can float downstream. It takes a live one, a live one, to fight and to swim upstream. If no one's told you this, Christianity is hard work. Sometimes following Jesus, you can feel like, you know what, I am fighting the current of this world. It's like, God, am I the only little trout trying to do the right thing? Let me tell you something. Someday it's just hard work to stay who you are. Sometimes it's hard work just to keep your, your priorities in line. And that's why Paul says, you know what, I, I fight. Man, I fight to the finish. Man, the great people in life are just ordinary people with an ordinary amount of determination. And Jason Witten, you know, retired from the Dallas Cowboys this last week after 15 years. In his press conference, he talked about this. He said, I'm just an average guy, average atten uh, uh, talent and average gifting. But nobody was going to outwork me. The, the fight, he said the fight is in the dirt. The fight is in the practice and being disciplined by that. The same is true in the Christian life. Paul would say it is, it is a fight, and as a result of that, we fight to the finish. See, successful people do not know how to quit. I mean, they, they keep going when everybody else has quit. That's why Paul says that I, I press on, straining towards the mark. I press on to win the prize which God has called me heavenly, heavenward in Christ Jesus. And this word press on means to extend your body over the goal. It's the picture of a runner that when he crosses or she crosses the finish line, that they have nothing left. They're just like, done. And Paul was this man of, 
amazing intensity and effort. And, and, and he, he, just, he just pushed. Acts 20, 24, he says, But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And each one of us has a task, and each one of us has a different task, and each one of us has a different race, but we all have a race to run. That's why Paul says you, you should never, you should never give up. And I don't know about you, but I, I want God's best for my life. And I, I, I don't want to quit on what God has for me. And I, I'm more interested in the direction a person is headed right now in life. Man, this is a church. Fellowship of the Rockies is a church where we don't care as much about our past as we do the future. And it only matters where we're headed right now. And we have a goal. We have a vision to see people encouraged and forgiven and set free and empowered and serving in the way that God has designed them. And that's why we give. That's why we serve. That's why we're a part of this church. And God is doing some great things, and I look forward to the future here. We, we don't know if this developer's going to work out. If they don't, it will not discourage us. We will continue to press on, and we will continue to fight until God raises up the developer, the right developer, so that we can move forward. And then when the day comes, when we walk into this new facility together, when people have told us it could not be done, you're too small in number, this is a big task, man, we will celebrate together knowing that we were a part of this. And we gave and we served and we didn't give up. See, that's what Paul says is successful living. When you live a life knowing what God has called you to do and you don't quit, you don't quit regardless. And one of the ways that we... Forget the past is remembering what God has done for us. That's why communion is so important. Our servers are going to make their way to the back as they begin to hand out the elements.